a little bit of pock yeah. on a Monday. My ambitions as a rider. We're ready to do this thing today, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get this show on the road. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah. <laughs> Drop some heat, baby. Let's do it all right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessworld.biz and schedule your time. And don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Our guest today is a motivated business leader with a deep understanding of how to streamline, streamline business operations and engage with employees in order to reach company objectives and increase profits. With more than 12 years of progressive experience in management and operations, our guest background spans across transportation, nonprofit, and entertainment industries, where his skill in Assessing organizations and developing businesses led to multiple company turnarounds and ultimate success. Our guest climbed that treacherous entrepreneurial ladder and came up on the other side as a successful author, producer, public speaker, and internationally published music composer and has purposefully transformed his life to one of joy and authenticity. His mission is to coach desperate dreamers who can't go a day without thinking about their dream but are reluctant to pursue their goals. Does that sound like you? Tune in for a great show with someone who's done it. Joining us today out of Phoenix, Arizona, Deputy Chief of the Washita Choctaw Indian Band and author of Cigarettes and Bad Decisions, The Shit I Wish I'd Known, welcome to the show, Jack Brickhouse L. Alrighty, let's do this thing. Jack, welcome to the program, man. What's going on, brothers? How are you today? Another beautiful day in paradise, my friend. All right. Yeah. yeah. Helping out desperate dreamers. I got to know, yeah. where did your dream begin? When were you desperate at some point? Oh, man, I was desperate from the beginning. So uh, I come from a, from a small town, man, right outside Chicago, Gary, Indiana. Right. Uh, Gary, Indiana is most prominently known for Michael Jackson, for anybody who uh, in your demographic knows who Michael Jackson is. Uh, his, the Jackson 5 originated from that small town. Uh, it, at, its, at its peak, it was probably 100,000 people. Now, I think uh, numbers say it's around 40,000, 60,000. Um, you know, that they've experienced some uh, back home. We, we've experienced some challenges, some layoffs. Uh, still, in industry is, is the primary industry there. And that kind of what is what was driving the population. But, you know, uh, that has kind of slowed down, which uh, has created some financial woes. And so, uh, for me, this is the environment I was kind of bred in. You know, I came in this tough, still uh, Midwest area. Um, again, we were, uh, you know, 10 minutes to the border of, of uh, Illinois, about 30 minutes from downtown Chicago. 
Uh, so I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, across the border uh, over in Chicago. So both of those areas are, are kind of home for me. Um, when you come from that area, well, I'll, I'll put it put it like this. Uh, at one point in time, the city was the murder capital of the world, right? By most murders per 100,000 people. So it's one of those. So, you know, Detroit has been there, New Orleans, and, you know, with us being a small town, but, you know, that's kind of uh, uh, one of the unfortunate monikers that, that label us as a city. And so coming up through that, and as you talk about dreaming, everything is a dream at that point because you're consistently looking up, and, you know, as, as you get older and you kind of realize uh, the scenario uh, that, that you're in and, you know, you, you begin to see the world and, and, you know, through the, at that time, through television, uh, you're able to see, you know, other perspectives and, and ways that other individuals were fortunate enough to live. And then you have to introspectively look at your situation and say, how the hell do I get there? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where the dream began for me. Yeah. You, you you mentioned some of the uh, negative things of, of where you yeah. grew up over there in Indiana, yeah. but at the same time, yeah. you gave us the king of pop, right? Like yeah. that is a, a world icon. I mean, if, right. if aliens came down and beamed some information, Michael Jackson would be in that set right there, right? So that's right. That, that's right. That's, it's always good to have at least somebody that you can look up to, something yeah. somebody that's already made their way out to realize that there is a path, right? It's not just a hopeless dream. It's a dream that you can come, that could come to fruition at some point. So how'd you make your way out? How'd, how'd, you, how'd so, you make your way above it? Uh, you know, just a, a commitment, education, uh, kind of uh, referencing what you were saying. So Mike left the city probably when he was 13 or 14. So as an adult and through all his success, you didn't see Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson came back one time in 2003 uh, to visit, visit his own home, and that was his old house, and that was kind of it. So I would say more so for us is with us being so close to Chicago, we grew up watching Michael Jordan and watching that success mm. story, which was huge, and that was more of a positive impact. So uh, just kind of sort of those things uh, at the time uh, in, in uh, hip-hop music, the hip-hop mogul was, was being born. And so through music, I learned a lot about business through reading books. I think at 12, I was reading like the art of the deal. So it was, it was more so through education and exploration uh, of the things that, that I saw that I wanted to do. And even at a young age, I understood I needed to kind of trace the DNA back and, and learn and read about business and read about these things and read about read biographies of uh, these successful people that I admire. So that was kind of, uh, you know, my escape from from the day to day was, you know, reading a lot of reading uh, when watching a lot of documentaries, those sorts of things. Education is is key. So, I mean, I got Monopoly. Uh, where is it right here? So, sitting right behind yeah. me. And and yeah. one of the things I tell I tell uh, my students all the time is, you know, Monopoly is one of those games where the first time you play it, you suck, yeah. right? You don't yeah. you don't know what's right. going on. You have no clue. You're trying to figure it out. But the second time you play it, you have a chance of winning. And the only difference between the first time and the second time is you learn the rules to the game. What That's you're right. talking about? What's up, Joe? Aloha. Uh, when you're when you're talking about, you know learning and educating yourself you're learning the rules to a game now right. i mean you mentioned all the bad stuff that you could have grown up and you could have learned right. a different set of rules right like yes. everybody's right. set of rules is different you decided right. to dive into something that was going to take you out of there where did it lead you uh well so, so it's led me to further education first and foremost uh, lifelong learning is, is what i found important but what i've been able to do that i've been uh, uh proud of is give back and so uh, Business-wise, I started a nonprofit, Brickhouse Cares. Uh, I think it, it will be turning five years old, top of next year. Um, and through that, I've been able to do a lot of phil philanthropy work. Uh, being able to, uh, our foundation has been able to donate to some scholarships. We've done some awareness events. Our, our focus is education. That's the core of everything we do. So whether that be 
and uh, you know, exposing youth to entertainment or it, and it's not just for youth, it's for anyone who's, who needs some assistance with resources. Uh, and so our mission is just to kind of be that bridge between communities and organizations to assist in the exchange of resources. Um, and our, our core value is fire. So what we like to say is we ignite a fire in individuals and in the organizations we work with. And that's uh, family, uh, integrity, resilience, and education. That's kind of the mm. core values. And that's how we start. And so we kind of shape everything that we do at our uh, foundation around those things. And so uh, at, but being that bridge, uh, outside of sitting on committee boards, so we sit with law enforcement, we're in, the, in uh, some different uh, middle schools and high schools, just talking with the youth, spending that time mentoring. And we look to be that bridge because there's a lot of programs and a lot of initiatives are developed with great intentions in a boardroom, but because uh, you know individuals who make up those boardrooms sometimes don't include individuals from the community they're serving, then there's kind of a, a gap there. And so that's kind of what our organization does. We can sit in the committee, but then we can also go onto the front lines and ensure that you know those initiatives and programs are uh, first received by by the community. Because you know when you work in uh, underserved communities, one of the number one issues is trust, right? Uh, you mm -hmm. know, people come and they want to deliver programs, but if the community doesn't trust you, you the program is never going to get delivered and it's just going to be a huge mess. And so by being, you know, being able to have experienced what I've experienced and understand that lingo and, and how to, uh, you know, operate in, in those communities and then operate in the boardroom has been a huge asset to our foundation. How does the community receive the financial literacy or the business education? Because it's not always... You know, in, in my experience, it's not always something that they look forward to. They want something that's uh, that's get rich quick that I don't I don't got a lot of time. I got to put food on the table. I got to go to work. I got to do my thing. You know, yeah. there, there are other types of content out there that are more sexy, more appealing that yeah. tend to sway what they end up learning. What's the sales pitch that you're giving to try to get some of these people to realize, like, look, dude, this dream that you want. Yeah. It's a grind to get there. It's not going to be an overnight. It's going to take a little more effort, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Right. It's definitely worth it. And uh, so I do a lot of partnering. I partner with uh, various organizations that are in place already. You know, we, we don't try to ever reinvent the wheel because that just takes more time. Uh, the nonprofit space is super overcrowded with a lot of people doing the same thing. And because they want to align with each other and, and streamline processes and share resources, then, you know, less people are served than actually could be served. And so, uh, you know, since we don't, so one thing that's important about us is that we generate funding internally. Uh, we don't, we don't take any grants or uh, we, we will take public donations from time to time contingent upon the event, but we try to fund ourselves internally, privately. So that way we don't have any red tape. Uh, a lot of nonprofits, when you take a grant or when they receive grants and, and their entire budget is based off of those grants, they are boxed in then to deliver these certain things that that corporation or the government is, uh, has directed those funds toward. And then that kind of paints them in a box. And then sometimes they can't align. And so with us being able to move freely and move back and forth between uh, NGOs and then our actual government entities, uh, we're able, again, we're able to, to be that bridge and help those resources move back and forth. And so the sales pitch is, you know, it's a lot of just first and foremost being in the community. You can't just walk in. So if, if I want to go and talk to a certain group of people, I'm going to attend, you know, the event several times before I even come and speak just so they can see that I'm there and I'm mingling and I'm talking to the people. And then from there, it's just a sifting process. Uh, every delivery is not for everybody. So contingent upon who my partner is and how they deliver, those people are, you know, are going to remain after everyone kind of sifts out of the room. And so the way that I approach everything is if we can help one person is always a success because that one person can then touch someone else, touch someone else and, and kind of move from there. Mm. 
How, you, know, you, you mentioned, you know, when you take on some of these government grants, when you take off some of this government money or, or, or some of this organizational money, you're boxed in by what that organization or what that grant wants you to kind of do. Uh, yeah. How did you raise money internally? How, what, what are you doing to get away from that? Absolutely. So on the back end, so most individuals here, you know, nonprofit, and, and if they haven't uh, had the time to, uh, you know, educate themselves on how nonprofits actually operate, they limit themselves and they try to, they think that, oh, I can't, you know, we can't make money as a business like a for-profit. Well, at the end of the year, you, you don't, you can't show a profit again, because you're not in the, in the business of making a profit, but you're, you can grow your nonprofit business just as big as you want to. All right. You, you can be a small nonprofit, hundred thousand dollars or less. You can be million, you know, you can be a boys and girls club or a, uh, um, United Way, right? And, and a lot of those or bigger organizations generate money internally. So what, uh, what we do is our uh, nonprofit Brickhouse Cares on several, several for-profit businesses that generate money for the nonprofit, right? So we have an entertainment and production company. Uh, we have a consulting company where we work outside of bringing these resources. We work with small businesses and uh, also consult some, some corporate executives on, on how, to do, you know, how to reach their deliverables. So we're able to generate money through the consulting firm. We have investment firms. And so that's one thing that we teach nonprofits is you have a, that the individual who launches the, the nonprofit usually has a lot of resources or they have a lot of knowledge about something. So you once so the, the nonprofit is kind of your umbrella that you can utilize to to uh, generate money by creating these other they can be departments or in this case companies that actually generate money for the nonprofit. And so now you're using your skills, not just for whatever you, you have on the surface level for your nonprofit, but now you're also generating money internally. So you don't necessarily have to rely on those uh, grants and, and other outside funding. That's fire, dude. That's smart. Like yeah. understanding how it works. I mean, you're, you're yeah. literally using the resources. You're right. Okay. The, the nonprofit itself can't have any profit at the end, but right. it can, it can, it can hold. So you're saying it's holding and maintaining ownership or it's just has a, a vested interest in what, what happens in these other businesses. Yeah. So the, so the revenue, so just think of it. If, if you're, uh, who is it? Uh, if you're PepsiCo, like PepsiCo owns Quaker and you know, 75 other businesses. And so each one of those businesses, while it's its own entity, is generating money for the overall parent company. So mm -hmm. whether you are a for-profit corporation, you know, a lot of for-profit corporations do that, but you can also do that on the nonprofit side as well. And so then what happens is when you, so when you have a nonprofit, your tax return is actually just you reporting or, or your uh, accountant reporting the overall activity uh, to the IRS. So you're not really filing a tax return. You're just filing an information statement saying, this is the money that was generated. This is how we use it towards the initiative that, you know, for in our case, education, these are the things that we did. These are the scholarships. This is how the money was utilized. This was the payroll. And then you, you submit that. And so because you're because on on paper, your legal structure is, you know, your nonprofit owns, I should say, in this case, uh, our Brickhouse Productions. So the, the money generated through Brickhouse Productions is it goes to the, uh, the parent company, which is the 501c3, which is our nonprofit. That's awesome. So then I'm assuming this is how you get into the community, right? So, so when you're, when you're talking to some of these kids, they don't really want to talk business, right? But right. they'll talk about making music and then That's you can right. sit down yeah. and have the conversation of, yo, this is called show business, right? The show That's is right. the part that's flashy and everybody wants right. to be a part of best rapper, nice shoes, nice clothes, great jewelry, like flashing. That, that's the best part. But right. there's also this business side of it, and you're not going right. to be the show if you don't have the business side of it. It really feels like like what you're doing is opening the door via their own dreams. Right. And, it's, and it's, it, you know, it's, again, it's just all education and figuring out how to deliver the content or the material to that specific group. 
Uh, so uh, pre-COVID, so last February, uh, myself and one of my partners for a consultant, one of our uh, consulting clients, uh, we do a lot of work where we're at the Capitol once or twice a year at the state Capitol here in uh, Arizona. And so they invited us to put on a workshop for youth to introduce them to, you know, a variety of careers and just talk about business and everything you guys just mentioned. So the way we approach it, again, I think these youth were eighth graders to seniors in high school. So we put together as a consulting firm, you know, I think they gave us an hour each time. So we presented once in the Senate, once in the House of Representatives. Um, and so what we did was invited some of our partners in the community. So uh, we have a gentleman who owned a restaurant. We had a young uh, lady who was a, a marketing director and social media influencer. Another one had an apparel company. And so we just, you know, we spoke about all the boring stuff and then we turned the floor over. And now they got to speak to three different people who are super relevant. And so that and, and you know, the, we let the presenter speak. But we gave them the overall message to, you know, talk about both sides of it, that I wanted to get in this because I, I was I was good at culinary. But then I had to learn the business. And that I mean, that was that hit off very well. Yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, struggle from that. Like 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 Joe was saying here, some companies are involuntary nonprofits. And that's usually yeah. because of the lack of education that you're talking about here. You know, they get into this space. Maybe they can rap. Maybe they can cook. Maybe they can, you know, swing a hammer, whatever it is. They might be really good at those things. But yeah. that business side, that's something yeah. that they have to figure out as they go along and there's nobody there to coach them through it. And, and you guys are providing that. How does it make you feel when, you, when you're when you able to shed light on some of these things and really watch those light bulbs go off? I mean, that's that's my motivation. That's the key is, is you know, whether it's something as small as just having a conversation and, and introducing a new perspective, making an individual look at a challenge a different way and, and just to see that light bulb goes off, that makes it all worth it. You know, and, and I know everybody integrates new knowledge at their own time, so I'm never looking for that. But just to have have someone to, to see the light bulb go off, you know, that something registered with them. And that's that's my motivation. So, um, you know, it, when I'm giving a speaking engagement, if one one person comes up afterwards and wants to have a conversation, I think it's a success every time. So for me, it's just about touching that one person. And usually if, if, if one person uh, it relates to, you know, the delivery or whatever it may be, there's somebody else there. And so it's just, you know, those like minded people will begin to gravitate you. It's just about doing what you want to do. Mm. So what, what do you, uh, what's your message when you stand up and talk to some of these people? Like what, what's the messaging that, that you're, you know, you're coming across? Is it dependent or you, you're focused on a certain type of audience or are you moving around with different types of audiences? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been fortunate to, to uh, live several lives and, and uh, gain a lot of knowledge. I have a master's degree in uh, organizational leadership. I have a uh, music degree, audio production technology associates there. So I'm everywhere in between. Uh, I've, I've worked with the Super Bowl and I work with the White House and Secret Service. So um, when it comes to to talk, so uh, there's an organization, if there's anybody out here for business, there's a national organization who's looking for help in business called SCORE uh, through the Small Business Administration. Uh, it is a, a nonprofit organization of uh, retired CFOs, presidents, marketing directors, those sorts of people who are in retirement. And this is one way that they give their services back to the community. Um, usually you can find, well, I know here in Arizona if, at the local library, uh, that's kind of the way they partner with or, or uh, some other uh, resource centers. You can usually find them if you ask around. If not, if you, if you go to uh, score.org, um, you know, you'll be able to find information there. So uh, uh, one presentation that I gave when I was there was called Positive Plus Negative Equals Success. So they asked me to create a workshop. So um, the, organ the organization asked me uh, to come in, this was several years ago, to come in and, and be a SCORE mentor. And it was unique because I was the youngest SCORE mentor by about 20 years at that time, mm. right? Everybody else had retired. And so I was still active. 
And uh, one of the first things we were able to do was kind of revamp the marketing video that they had. Um, my production company produced that. And so I think they're still utilizing that now. Um, so the, so the, the overall um, uh, toolbox of the actual organization is they tell you, you know, this is how you use LinkedIn. This is how you start a business. This is how you file paperwork. And they have a myriad of courses there, but the one course they didn't have, it was to talk about mental uh, strength and, and, and mental mindset and the importance of that in business. So uh, I have a program, positive plus negative equals success. And what, that overall, what the overall message there is, is that you need both the positive things and the negative things that happen to you in order to be successful. All right, uh, one of the uh, uh, analogies and metaphors that I use is like a car battery. All right, you have to live in balance. Most people, we, we, you know, you're preconditioned to want to live in, in, in excess, right? I need all the money, I need these cars, I need million dollars in the bank account, but you still have to be in balance. So if you're exceeding in, uh, that much on a positive level, just imagine the negative that's gonna balance you out. So those negative things are gonna happen, but those negative things are usually guiding you to a positive place. So going back to the, the, the battery analogy, right, analogy uh, uh, batteries have a positive post and a negative post, right? They have to be in balance to work. If your negative post goes out, the battery's not working. If the positive post goes out, the battery's not working. It has to be in balance. And that's, that's my overall message to new entrepreneurs is you have to find your balance and you, ha and you have to change everything because everything changes. Uh, the people, the, the, the way people perceive you, um, you know, things, simple things that you're used to. If you go in and say, I'm an entrepreneur full-time, you're not getting paid every week or every two weeks, right? You may have to invoice, right? And, and now you're on a 30 or 60 day holding period. How does that affect your relationship? In turn, how does your relationship now affect your work? And so those are the things that we talk, the, the real nitty gritty uh, was, is, is what I like to talk about in that presentation. And then sometimes there are motivational presentations if I'm talking to youth, you know, we may be talking career day, so it just all depends. That, uh, that idea of mindset and, and keeping strong uh, while yeah. you push through some of this stuff, you know, yeah. that's that's something that you're hearing a lot more of today. And and part of it is being able to accept some of those things that you call, you know, your 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 positive and your negative side. We're so quick and right. easy to say all our positive stuff, but it's not so easy to talk about some of our negatives. And I and I, I was listening to I don't remember what speaker it was. It was a combination of, of a bunch of different speakers on, uh, yeah. on on YouTube. But somebody was talking about how that that dark side of you, the, the side of you that you're kind of ashamed of, that you're worried about, that is part of you. Like you can't have light without dark. You can't have hot without cold. Like there, you got to be able to step back and accept, you know, who that is. And then uh, earlier I was, I was producing James's show and they were talking about Brene Brown and she talks about the power of vulnerability. Uh, yeah. You know, being able to say, I don't know how to do this, being able to like, just communicate with somebody and say, okay, look, this is the first time I'm doing this. Like, I have no clue what's going on. I need help. Like getting people to say that is difficult. How do you get that across in your messaging? Uh, you know, again, building trust, building rapport, uh, relatability, and, and more so just meeting people where, where they are and seeing where they want to go. And so whether I'm coaching a, a, a you know, a, an executive or a new entrepreneur or just talking to someone about general about life, I always talk, start telling them that we need to start with strategy. You have to first assess where you are and understand how you got there. And then we need to put a strategy in place to get you where you want to go. And that looks different for everybody. But you have to understand where you're going and strategically how you're going to get there. Because uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, so when I'm when I'm composing. When you first sit down to compose a song, right, you have every key, uh, you have every instrument at your disposal because there's nothing there as a blank canvas. But as you start to choose instrumentation and choose chords and choose these things, now as you as you work to put the, together a song, 
only certain things are going to flow together at that point because you've been able to narrow and actually box in what it is you're doing. So it's no different than, you know, in personal relationships, professional relationships, career goals. You have to take you have to take a stance and say, this is where I am. This is how I got here. This is this is uh, where I want to go. And this is how I'm going to do it. And what you find out is once you take those first steps, you then begin to receive miscellaneous uh, opportunities that you didn't know were there because you had never you know, taken the time to engage in that specific aspect of life. And so I uh, always talk about the importance of networking and building relationships um, and being able to connect with individuals in, in your industry, right? So that uh, every industry seems like it's big, whether you're in real estate or you're in construction, but there's usually only a few movers and shakers you know, at the core of the actual industry in every city. And so as you, as you take the time to actually dive into those events, go to those networking events and those breakfasts and those things, you begin to build relationships. And those relationships are what, uh, what assist people in moving forward and progressing towards their goals, where it's just not all on you. You have resources and people that you can relate to to, to assist in moving forward. Yeah, I love that. I love the progress part. One of the very first businesses uh, that I that I started, James and I started, was called PC Cruisers. We had no idea what the hell to do in business, man. We were clueless. Uh, and I remember my dad saying, Hey, you should check out score. And you talked about it here. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that we went there and I learned about was setting up a business plan and, yeah. uh, the idea of sales tax, how that works, how that works, right. Yeah. Getting your seller's permit. But I remember sitting there maybe like 19, 20 years old, uh, in this class, trying to learn something about business and getting a flood of information, realizing that, you know, only a little bit is going to stick but at least having a resource to check things out, right? Like that's, that's right. where I can go to find out more information. So you mentioned SCORE. What else am I going to find uh, with your organization, mrjackbrickhouse.org? What, what kind of resources and stuff can I find there? Yeah, so, um, so at Mr. Jack Brickhouse, it's primarily me. You can find uh, uh, books, and we'll talk about that before we go. Uh, different media, different interviews there. Uh, there's some consulting if you're looking for some uh, business or, or uh, uh, other career professional consulting, uh, you can catch me there. Brickhousecares.org is uh, more information about our actual nonprofit. You kind of go there and, and read our mission statement um, at, at that site. All right. Well, what about what about the books and stuff? Uh, tell me a little bit about those. Yeah. So uh, as we talk uh, self-development, self-improvement, uh, I co-authored the book back in 2017, Cigarettes and Bad Decisions, The Shit I Wish I'd Known. Uh, it's myself and uh, my two co-authors. And uh, we decided it would be cool to kind of compile all of the advice that we would have in one-off conversations with friends and relatives and just put it all in one place because as we would talk to each other we would we found out that we were all having the you know some of the same conversations and so let's we said hey let's just reflect and put all this in in one place and and so we put together 15 chapters uh, and it's all self-improvement stuff you get three different perspectives from uh, three different individuals of course we we're all at different parts of, of our life at the time and so uh, we're actually creating a course off that of cigarettes and bad decisions, kind of mini course uh, where you get to hear some of our thoughts and opinions and kind of get some guidance uh, through the book to, to kind of help you, uh, uh, you know, to um, integrate the book into life and understand the messages that we were delivering. All right. So I got to know like, yeah. uh, if you can go back and talk to yourself yeah. at the very beginning or if you can go back and now and talk to yeah. somebody who's, you know, 12, 10, 15, 20 years old early on yeah. getting started. What's some of that shit that you wouldn't have done or you would have done? Yeah. So, uh, you know, commitment. It, so the, coming from the area I was in, you know, everything was, was about moving fast and, and uh, attempting to comp or yeah, attempting to accomplish as much as you can as quickly as you can. And so just, you know, as you get older, you learn to slow down, 
uh, and mm -hmm. to be a little bit more patient on some of the opportunities uh, that come along. So I started my first business uh, with a partner at 20. Uh, it was a, it was called Aerosense. It was a uh, fragrance and lotion oil uh, type small kiosk at the, uh, at the, at the one of the, our local malls. Uh, but we started that by actually proving the concept and scaling up proportionally. So we, you know, we were able to find distribution out of New York City. Uh, we took those products and, you know, we were able to bottle, bottle and package them and do all those things. And then before we went and paid money for a location, we, we hit the street. We went to the, uh, you know, the different barber shops and the beauty shops and just local uh, spots and, and began to kind of peddle these products. And so once we were able to build a, a fan base or a following, then we went ahead and opened, the, opened our first location in the mall. But again, we were young and inexperienced. You know, we had a business. So, of course, you know, we did the best we could at that age. But that was my first experience in business. You know, it's funny, man. I, I look back at my very first business, and one of the greatest things that that I would do is we would we would hand out these these uh, door hangers that had stickers on the bottom and say, you know, throw away the door hanger, put the sticker on your computer when you need help, call us. Right, and here was the information. Probably one of the best marketing things we did. Uh, and in hindsight, I wish we would have kept doing that, right? Maybe made some shifts in business overall, technology-wise. Yeah. But, but to keep doing some of those things, is there anything that you remember doing in your very first business that you kind of don't do for whatever maturity reason? And you wish you're like, man, you know what? On this next venture, this was actually a really good thing. I should continue doing this. Yeah, so uh, we hired people too quickly. All right. We started off before we, we took the time to actually scale the model ourselves and, and uh, learn the customer base and, you know, learn the peaks and all of those things. Uh, you know, we already had people in place. And so and, and then we were we were not there to kind of, you know, oversee and manage those things. But again, that was a huge mistake, you know, bringing on personnel when we hadn't scaled, you know, to a, to a point where we can even afford to do that. So that was something that if I could change, I would definitely change. I think we could have had more uh, sustainability. Oh, to be yeah. young, right? right. I mean, you do, you go on the job because I want to go party. So as long as you yeah. show up on time, we're good. We're good. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, right. That was the mindset, man. So, but you know, it is what it is. It is, man. It is. All right, Jack. Hey, before we head out, man, how can people get a hold of you? We mentioned your website, but if they want to work with you, yeah. find out more about you, see what you got going on. How, how can they how can they do that? Absolutely. So I know everybody's about social media. So I'm on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Mr. Jack Brickhouse. You can just search me there. Uh, you can check the website, mrjackbrickhouse.org. Or you can check out the foundation, brickhousecares.org. Um, Amazon, Cigarettes and Bad Decisions, The Shit I Wish I'd Known. I actually just uh, released a new fiction book, September 11th. It's called Blind Drift. Uh, something like a screenplay. Uh, and there's also a musical soundtrack that accompanies that that's available on all streaming platforms. Again, that's Blind Drift, uh, something like a screenplay soundtrack. Um, you can catch me in any of those places. If you if you do uh, reach out to me on social media, I'm very responsive. I will respond back to you as long as you don't say anything crazy. I'm all about helping individuals. Um, but the websites and, and the social media, you'll be able to track me down. Sweet, man. We're big on testimonials on our show. Yeah. And so I want to I want to ask, you know, uh, how much fun did you have? And what was your experience like on the on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, no, this was a great experience. I appreciate you guys having me on. We got to talk about some great topics, have a little fun, you know, a lot of laughs. So I'm looking forward to the next time. Sweet. All right, ladies and gents, you heard it. Look, your dreams, they're only desperate and they only become nightmares the day you don't put them into practice. Right. Bring them out from the cloud and make them a reality. Start doing something about what it is that you're looking for and score or go into to, uh, Jack's website here, mrjackbreakhouse.org. Find out about different organizations that are already helping. It's all about education. Like you, you're fearful right now because you lack 
the confidence because you lack the education. As soon as you understand how to speak that language of business, you learn a little more about what's going on. You'll have questions to ask. You'll feel a lot more confident and you'll start moving in the right direction. It's it's your inner beast is there. I said that on my, you know, after my run this morning, go, your inner beast is there. It's ready to come out, but you keep chaining it up with fear, desperation. You keep chaining it up with insecurity. Dude, education sets you free. It'll give you the belief and you only need just a little bit of belief in yourself to take it to a whole new level. Jack, thank you very much, man, friend, for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, we'll see you guys manana. Peace out. Later. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csburst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.